Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church, and so thankful that you are listening to the broadcast. I tell you what, I so look forward to giving this broadcast to you, and thank the Lord for this wonderful vehicle of podcast and the radio broadcast that we're able to get the Word of God out to as many people as possible. And so today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking to you about the subject of why should I forgive? You know, you think about the gift of forgiveness because it is a gift. The word give is found right in the middle of forgiveness. You know, it is a bondage that chokes out the abundant life of Christ that he promises to all those who believe. If we do not forgive, we are choking out that abundant life that we could be enjoying. So let's talk about, first of all, what is forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness is that act of settling an account, setting somebody free from an obligation. Uh, it is the result of they've done you wrong, and so you set them free. For example, a debt is forgiven when you free the debtor of his obligation. That person no longer has to pay you back what he owes. Forgiveness then involves kind of three elements. Number one is there's an injury. Uh, number two, there is a debt that is resulting from that injury. And then number three, there's that cancellation of the debt. All three elements are essential. You've got an injury, you've got a debt resulting from that injury, and you have the cancellation of that debt. In other words, it's sent paid in full. Now, before we look too far into the details of forgiveness, I want to spend just a moment explaining to you why it's so difficult for us to forgive, right? And so you may be saying, well, I'm not going to forgive somebody. Are you kidding me? I could never forgive them after what he or she has done to me. When you think about forgiveness, forgive me, but how could God forgive me? When you go on that line of, I could never forgive somebody for what they have done for me, how could God ever forgive us? Because what we have done to him is far more egregious than anybody else could ever do to us. And I'm not diminishing what other people have done to us. I'm trying to put it into perspective of thinking about how we have offended God. You know, how could I have done such an awful thing to God and yet he forgives me. You know, to be merciful, somebody says, you have to know mercy. To be merciful, we have to know mercy, and we can experience the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. From the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I believe that many of the people that hurt us the most do so oftentimes without realizing the full impact of their action. When we need to be like Christ and says, well, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. When you think about that, so many times, lack of forgiveness is the core of most of our battles. Maybe you're having some marriage problems. Maybe you have some problems at work, right? Maybe you're having some problems with a neighbor. These relationships at the core are struggles because there's lack of forgiveness. Resentment builds up and it festers, and and then we heap selfish expectations on one another, and we can't see another person for who they really are because we are looking through the lens of unforgiveness. So it's no wonder that relationships break down. You know, to have a spirit of forgiveness means to be authentically open to one another, despite wrongs and sin. Now, if we can do this, there is nothing that cannot be healed. Uh, Somebody said this, and it's so true, right? To dwell above with those we love, oh, that's going to be glory. To dwell below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. So I know that forgiveness is not easy to give. It's costly to forgive somebody because 
We are relinquishing a debt. We are setting somebody free that doesn't deserve to be set free. But when you forgive somebody, two people are being set free, uh, that person that you are forgiving the debt of, and you are also forgiving yourself. Jesus had his disciples gather around him one day, and Peter came to him and said, Well, Lord, uh, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, now Peter thought he was doing really good because Jewish law required three times. And so he said, well, let me double it and add one and say up to seven times. Well, Jesus answered and said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Wow. Now, in Amos chapter one, it says, for three transgressions and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. So that's maybe what Peter had in the back of his mind. Famous Amos, that minor prophet, says, okay, God's going to forgive us of three offenses and then uh, an extra one thrown in. And so maybe that's where Peter came up with doubling it and uh, adding that extra one in. But as we look at this, Jewish law required that you only had to forgive a person three times. So Peter says, Jewish law says three times I have to forgive. I'll double it, throw in one more. How about seven times? And the Lord says, no. Uh, you would believe not seven times, but 77 times. He's saying there's no limit to the amount you need to forgive people. So Jesus is pointing out that I'm keeping score, and when I'm keeping score, I'm not really forgiving. If you're keeping score, you haven't really forgiven in the first place. And so in verse number 26, uh, a guy comes and a servant begs for forgiveness. And he says, be patient with me as he's begging for forgiveness. He says, I'll pay back everything. Now, this guy had a debt of 12 million bucks. He says, give me a few more days and I'm going to repay it. You know, repaying a, a thousand bucks a day and this guy has got 30 years to pay. There's no way he can do it, right? It is an impossible debt. So let's look at Matthew chapter 18 and see what Jesus says about forgiveness. Matthew 18, beginning at verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. He wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had was to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees and he said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. And he canceled the debt and let him go. Again, here we have this guy who owes 12 million bucks, right? How in the world could he run up a debt that high? But he did. And he's begging for just a little time to pay back the debt. And he's forgiven of the entire debt. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it all back. As we look at this, we see now the story changes. This servant who had been forgiven a huge debt goes out to another servant who had a smaller debt and forced him to pay it back. And the man begged for forgiveness. Be patient, I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, when the other servant saw what had happened, he was outraged. And he went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he would pay back all that he owned. 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Well, this is a very familiar story in the Bible, and Jesus is talking about two people who had great debts. One had a debt that could never be paid, and he's forgiven, but then he doesn't forgive a lesser debt. So the master becomes outraged. So let's look at why we must learn to forgive. Number one is because God has forgiven me. Verse 27 says that the servant master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. Now, I love that because this debt was a debt that could not be paid. You know, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we look at the servant's reaction, I mean, he's going from a person who has got this profound debt, and he's forgetting how deep the debt was. Now, imagine what this guy is doing. This guy owes 12 million bucks to his boss, and he gets a friend who owes him 100 denarii. Now, that's, that's the equivalent of 17 bucks, okay? And he throws this guy into prison, debtor's prison, over 17 bucks. Why did he respond that way? Because he really didn't feel forgiven himself. So he's still foolishly trying to collect money to pay off the $12 million debt that was forgiven of him. You know, the Bible says, be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other just as Christ and God forgave you. I want you to know when God forgives you, he forgives you completely. And one of the ways that you know that he's forgiven you completely is that you're able to forgive other people. The guy doesn't understand grace. He doesn't believe that he was forgiven. When you believe you are forgiven, you will always forgive others. Now notice his harshness. He grabs the man and he demanded that he pay him back. He begins to literally choke him. You see, Roman law actually allowed you to do this to a debtor. If somebody owed you some money and they hadn't paid you back, you were allowed to choke them literally. It was a legal thing to do. And here this guy is throwing this man into jail all over 17 bucks. You see, whenever you find somebody who is harsh, somebody who's judgmental, somebody who is unbending and demanding, unforgiving of others, critical, negative, ungracious, when you find this kind of person, you discover that they have fallen into a sin and they can't come out. They're carrying unresolved guilt. A judgmental, negative person who is always putting other people down and, and is unforgiven is because they are carrying unresolved guilt. You see, when we feel unforgiven, we tend to be unforgiving. Uh, the ungraced person is the ungracious person. Parents who are demanding and rigid and overbearing of their kids and expecting perfection are revealing their own guilt, their own resentment. You know, when you think about how hard it is to forgive, it's hard because when I really need forgiveness, now, I don't want you to miss this point, right? When I most need forgiveness, I am most hard-hearted. The servant's debt was forgiven, but his heart had not changed. He received forgiveness, but his heart hadn't changed. Woody Allen, that comedian who said, it's hard to get your heart and your head to agree in life. In my case, they are not even friendly. Here, this man's head understood he had been forgiven, but his heart never changed. It was still a hard heart. Another thing about forgiveness, and it's hard because when I need forgiveness, I'm most hard-hearted, but I'm also most filled with pride. It's my right to be paid. I deserve to be paid. I demand to be paid. Madonna said, I won't be happy until I'm as famous as God. 
so filled with pride. You see, when God does something big, pray it will keep you small. St. Augustine said it was pride that changed angels into devils. It's humility that makes men as angels. You see, it's hard to forgive because when I need forgiveness most, I'm most filled with pride. I'm most hard-hearted, and I'm most tired of forgiving. Jesus forgives to the infinite degree. Forgiveness and trust are not synonymous. Forgiveness is a gift. Trust is earned. You know, there once was a show called Amos and Andy. In that show, there was a big man who would slap Andy across the chest whenever they met. Finally, Andy had enough of it, and he said to Amos, I am fixed for him. I'm ready. I put a stick of dynamite in my vest pocket, and the next time he slashed me, he's going to get his hand blown off. What Andy seemed to forget was the next time the man slapped him, he would lose his hand, but Andy would lose his heart. You see, the same kind of damage happens when we hold unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts. We think we're hurting somebody else, and they may lose a hand over it, but we've lost our hearts. Oh, I want you to know that when we are at the point that we need forgiveness the most, our heart is often most hard-hearted. We're most filled with pride, and we're most tired of forgiving somebody else. Oftentimes, I see this in marriages where it says, I'm tired of forgiving him. I'm tired of forgiving her, and they just throw up their hands, and they become filled with bitterness. As a matter of fact, it gets so bad that when Jesus was asked about the law that Moses came up with so that one person could divorce another person, Jesus says that that's not the ultimate reason. That's not the ultimate will. He says Moses allowed for that because their hearts had become hardened. There's something else that we must remember when it comes to this matter of forgiveness. When I most need forgiveness, I feel most justified not to forgive. You know, I'm most critical of the sins of others. In Ephesians 4.26, it says, be angry and do not sin. Uh, So the anger is not the problem. It's anger that could lead us to sin. I feel most justified to not forgive. Romans 14 says, you have no right to criticize your brother or to look down on him. Remember that each of us, every single one of us, will personally stand before the judgment seat of God. You see, when we forgive somebody, it doesn't totally get them off the hook. They still must one day appear before the judgment seat of God. What we learned so far, that we should learn to forgive because God has forgiven me. Secondly, we should learn to forgive because resentment makes me miserable. You know, the Bible is very clear in that story that we just read about those servants. And when they saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, right? And the master comes along and he says, I canceled all of that debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers until he should repay all that he owed. The master said, if that's the way you're going to be, unforgiveness, filled with resentment, then I'm going to be unforgiving. And he hands him over to the jailers. Now, the word jailer there literally means over to the tormentors, over to the torturers. Turn him over to be tortured. He refuses to show mercy. Resentment has made him miserable. Now let him experience that misery. Verses 33 and 34 says, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? 
So in his anger, the master turned him over to the jailer to be tortured. You know, resentment makes me miserable. When we fail to forgive, God doesn't have to lock us up in jail. We do it to ourselves. We lock ourselves in a jail of torture and hurt. We rehearse and the hurt that over and over again, and it gets bigger and bigger and continues to hurt us long after it's happened. We lock ourselves into a prison. You know, there are millions of people who are imprisoned by guilt. They're enslaved by anger and anxiety, and they are tormented by resentment year after year. The forgiveness of Christ is the key to unlock the jail. It can set you free. For your own sake, I want to encourage you to learn to ask for forgiveness. Learn to offer forgiveness. Doctors say that we could clear out most hospitals today. 90% of the people in the hospitals today, we could clear them out of the hospital if we could teach them how to deal with guilt and their resentments. Guilt is what I've done to others. Resentment is what others have done to me. The torture chamber is the self-inflicted torture that I bring because I refuse to forgive. Well, we've learned a lot so far. We've learned that we should forgive, first of all, because of Christ and what he's done in giving us forgiveness. We've learned, secondly, that we should forgive because resentment really makes me miserable, puts me into a prison. And number three, we should forgive because I'm going to need forgiveness in the future. In verse 35, it says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. You see, one day, I'm going to need forgiveness in the future. I'm never going to get to a point in this life where I go without sinning. I'm going to need people to constantly forgive me. Forgive others as you want to be forgiven. Somebody told John Wesley one time, I could never forgive that person. Wesley says, well, then I hope that you never sin. If you're going to live the rest of your life in perfection, you don't need to forgive anybody else. But forgiveness is a two-way street. Don't burn the bridge you've got to walk over in order to get to heaven. You see, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, forgive us of our debtors as we forgive our debtors. God, you forgive me as much as I forgive the people around me. Do you really want to pray that prayer? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. The parable is teaching us that forgiveness is is to be a way of life. It's the only way to live. You know, you're going to be hurt in life. You can't get past being hurt in life, and you're going to hurt others. You're imperfect. So am I. We have to live in a constant state of forgiveness, accepting God's forgiveness, offering God's forgiveness to others. Enjoy it and employ it. It's going to be ongoing constantly. It's going to be a lifestyle. That's why I look at people who have long-term marriages. Long-term marriages are just two people who have learned to be really great forgivers. You see, the question comes up then, is forgiveness fair? Do you let them get away with it? Nah, forgiveness is not fair. But nobody said life is fair. But when you think about God forgiving us, is that fair? You know, it's not right for the offender to go away scot-free, somebody has said. Somebody's going to pay the debt. And this, I want you to know somebody does pay the debt. God paid our debt so that we could walk away free. When we forgive somebody else, we are actually paying forgiveness ahead because one day we're going to need forgiveness. Maybe you're thinking about this whole subject of forgiveness and you're asking yourself, do I need to forgive anybody? I mean, is there anybody that I need to forgive? 
Well, well, there's a couple of tests I think that you can do to figure out if you need to forgive somebody. Here's the first test. I'll call it the blame test. This is an indication of resentment. Life would be so much better if, and maybe some of you are thinking about this in a marriage relationship. You know, my life would be so much better if I wasn't married to him or wasn't married to her. Uh, Everything that goes wrong, you're blaming that other person. Maybe you're at a job and you're saying, if I only had a better job and you're blaming your boss, you're blaming your coworkers, you're feeling like, uh, like they're holding you back, it's the blame test. Whenever you're experiencing blame, you need to forgive somebody. Here's the second test. We'll call it the bitterness test. Am I keeping score? Is there this mental balance in my mind that every time they do something, I say, well, they owe me one. Uh, some of you in your marriage, you have had a partner who, had a, who made a major mistake in your marriage. It might have been even a sin, and you're still holding it over their head. Uh, you're still very unpleasable with that person because in your mind, no matter what they did, it's all just repayment. No matter how good they are doing, no matter how many times they're saying, I'm sorry, you're keeping track, and in your mind, you're still bitter, and you're saying, well, they still owe me. No matter what they do, they still owe me. You're unpleasant because you can't forgive. You're killing the marriage, not the other person. You're doing it with your unforgiveness. You've never let them off the hook, and you're holding in resentment, and you become unpleasable to the point that you want to say, what's the use? What's the use? I give up. In your mind, you're saying, you're right. You never will. You never will change. If you want to save your marriage, you got to let go. Stop bringing it up. Forgive that person. You see, that applies to a lot of different areas of life. Maybe you are a neglected child. Maybe you are an abused child. Maybe by your parents. Maybe you could never get that love that you felt like you needed. Nobody did that because none of us had perfect parents. You know, every one of us have had parents that made mistakes. Even good parents have made mistakes. You didn't give perfectly to your children. Nobody has been perfectly loved in this world because we're all imperfect. Maybe you had a brother or a sister who had hurt you, who teased you, and and who was jealous of you, and and who went past you, and, and you resented them. Maybe you had a friend who was disloyal, and you resented them. If the truth were known, Some of you feel cheated on in your marriage. Your partner has not lived up to the expectations that you think that they should, and and you feel like you've got a bum deal. You feel like it was false advertising. What you thought you were going to get into, and when you got into that marriage, wasn't at all the reality of what happened. You feel your needs haven't been met. You've been allowed to have these grudges to build up, and you're killing the relationship. You need to forgive. You need to let it go. You need to quit holding onto a grudge and being an unpleasable person. So today, you need to forgive if you find yourself constantly blaming others for your problems. If you find that you're filled with bitterness and you always find a problem with every solution, and no matter what the other person does, you're filled with that bitterness. There's a third test. Uh, We'll call it the behavior test. You ever find yourself reacting towards somebody Not because of what they've done, but because they remind you of someone else you resent. I remember many years ago at the end of the service, a young lady came to me and said, Now, Pastor, I'm never coming back again to this church. And I was shocked. And I thought, well, did I say something uh, that was offensive or, or did she have a bad experience 
with somebody at our church, and, and, and she says, every time I heard your voice, it reminded me of a pastor many years ago who took advantage of me and abused me. You know, it was a behavior test that she needed to forgive. She was taking out uh, her frustration and her anger and her resentment on somebody else, on the wrong person. Often what happens is this, your resentment against your parents, whom you were never able to express that resentment to, was held out. And now that same resentment that you had for your parents is being given to your spouse. You're transferring all those years of resentment that's been building up within you and you're blowing up on the wrong person. What you're reacting to is not really their fault. It's just that they remind you of someone else that you've never dealt with. You need to let it go. You need to offer forgiveness and you need to accept forgiveness. A past relationship is destroying another one. So today, if I can help you with this matter of forgiveness, please shoot me a text. 252-267-2365. I'd love to pray with you. We have a wonderful ministry called Celebrate Recovery. I'll tell you all about it. We'll help you to navigate through the unforgiveness that you're struggling with. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.